Welcome to Chef It. I'm Lisa. I'm a chef. I live and work in Los Angeles, and I cook for the rich and famous. And I'm currently doing that in Milwaukee. Um, I'm in Milwaukee, and I'm embarrassed to say that I have ragged on so many places (laughs) outside of California for no good reason, just my own ignorance. Um, It's not like I ever sat around ragging on, you know, Liver and Shirley or something like that. It's just that, I mean, I'm, of course, talking about the TV show from the 70s, Schlemiel Schlemagel, Hoffenpfeffer Incorporated, we're going to do it. But more or less, like, just a sense of, like, California is so perfect and great and, like, I'm so... I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe the ego of being a Californian. I guess so. I guess I'm admitting it. You know, I used to have an ego of being a San Franciscan. I moved to L.A. I remember my first week in Los Angeles. Um, I'd officially moved there, right? I was living in my friend's guest house and over on Boccaccio in Venice and Venice Beach. And I'd gone to some boutique on Abbott Kinney, some, you know, nothing crazy, just like a little spot that was affordable but cute. And this is when, like, there were actually small businesses on Abbott Kinney before it became this weird Beverly Hills experience. Um, I mean, now it's like Beverly Hills by the sea. So annoying. Anyhow, I was in a shop and probably just like cried all morning because I went I got dumped and which is one of the reasons I moved to LA and it was just a really <laughs> super difficult time I mean if you've ever been dumped when you you know and I say dumped because the person I was with was like sending messages like I don't think we're gonna be able to make it through this like you know we're just not compatible and I just couldn't hear it because we had been had this like really intense two-year romance and then like it just kind of you know, some things, it's just not meant to be. And I think, you know, when you're hanging on to like the past and you're just moving forward in the past and someone else is like, I want to go travel and do different things. I'm not ready to settle down and be married. Um, which ironically I wasn't either. I just didn't know that. Um, you know, it just hits you like a ton of bricks. It's literally like bricks falling out of the sky on top of you. So I think I had a lot of bricks on my head that morning. And there I was in this boutique buying the worst skirt in history. (laughs) It was like a Jezebel skirt that was aqua, whatever. Like when, when have I ever worn stuff like this? And it was just like long and, you know, I was really fit back then. I mean, whatever. I don't want to get into all that, but... It certainly probably looked good. It just was not my taste. (laughs) And um, for some reason, I don't even want to go into what I was wearing with that. God only knows. But um, I was trying to, it looked like me. I looked like Cher in a costume. Like it was something kind of like along those lines. You mean, you know what I'm saying? Like some old 70s, long haired hippie girl with like, and I'm not, I, I wasn't a super hippie girl. But come to think of it, my, my ex at that time was kind of a hippie, so maybe it was a little bit of that. Anyhow, there was an election happening, which is what I'm trying to get to. And of course, I was following the election, and there was a lot of stuff going on. And I was talking to one of the shop girls, and she was talking about the election very superficially, you know, just like, oh, there's an election, blah, blah, blah. And then I asked her a serious question about it. 
And she didn't know. And I remember thinking, like, I can't believe I moved here. <laughs> Seriously, I'm like, I can't believe I moved to Los Angeles. People here don't know anything. And, like, I started reading the L.A. Times, and I'm like, this paper has nothing over the Examiner and the San Francisco Chronicle. Oh, my God. God, nobody reads the New York Times. I mean, all this kind of... I remember thinking this. I'm not going around saying it, but I was just kind of being an... I was an asshole, really. And then I started to read the LA Times. And I was like, wow. Their food section does suck, but I really do enjoy reading about the neighborhoods and local politics. And I really didn't like Viragosa, who at that time was our... um, um, mayor, the guy lied about his education. How do you vote for a guy? But here I go again, right? Here it goes again. And that's not because of Angelinos. It's because people in LA are having a good time. And not to say that everyone is having a great time because rent's expensive. And I lived in a more beautiful neighborhood, you know, with cooler breezes, and I have to pay like a thousand dollars for air conditioning and so forth, whatever. Um, and I was working for some, you know, ultra high net worth, you know, crowd or whatever. So that's what I do for a living. That's how I make a living. So there's, you know, it's just, it's, it's different. So, but I will say that you can just hop in your car and go to the beach and you kind of, you have such a beautiful time in LA and LA is so beautiful. And once you're in LA and then you're also, it's so easy to, it's so actually, no, it's, it's difficult to imagine other cities having something for you. You know, when it's the, when it's Christmas week in Los Angeles and you live on the west side and you're walking to the beach every morning with a cup of coffee saying good morning and you're wearing like a little shell coat and your favorite jeans and some flip-flops and a light sweatshirt and that's winter for you and you're hearing about you know death storms and like nor'easters or and you don't even know what that means like I still don't know what that is I have no idea like what goes on and all that stuff. Um, <laughs> I'm feeling I'm about to get a taste of it here in Milwaukee soon. Um, but, you know, it's just difficult to imagine that there's like a better way to live, you know? And then you, then you're like up and running with the NBA living in Milwaukee. And I mean, as my friend... A friend recently just said this weekend, I, I went home for a funeral and I came back and, but in that time I saw some friends for Halloween and they were like, oh yeah, one, one friend in particular, he says, well, I mean like your excitement and joy about going somewhere, it's just mostly like your personality. Like you can do that. You can like carve out the bits, you know, that's why you're a chef. You're like, ooh, let's dig this out and make a soup and then we'll do this and this. And that's probably true. And I probably get that from my parents who are both, you know, they're real makers in their own way. They make the fun. And my best friends are, wow, the Stevens sisters, let me tell you. I mean, every day is a holiday for them. 
They're like, yay, it's a Thursday in summer. It's the first Thursday of summer. You know, this is summer of love Thursdays. Let's have a, everybody get together. Let's make a cocktail for it. You know, like they're just like, (laughs) they're in it. And there's a reason I'm maybe attracted to that quality and people who know how to make something, you know, it's, you know, the lemonade thing, right? It's like, I'll make lemonade out of hell. I can do that. Um, so there is that aspect, but that's why I should really become like a travel advisor, I've decided. <laughs> I've been to like one other city. I'm like, let me tell you where to go. Um, but mostly because, I'm saying this because of the level of curiosity and excitement about being somewhere. And I'm also willing to like dredge through the early you know, early moments of travel. I knew when I first got here and it didn't actually right away, I was impressed with the architecture of the city and how small it was. So I knew that it was really accessible and the nature of it. And I realized at first, like, there's not a lot exactly, you know, this first week, there's not a lot that I'm seeing. However, there's no way you're going to tell me there's not some cool art population here and food and music. And like, there's just no way. I mean, there's no way I follow, you know, politics and I read news and I can see, you know, what's out or just even watching, you know, just watching like Anthony Bourdain, any of his shows, like you're just going to see that there's, there's always an equation of population like everywhere. Like LA feels like everybody's creative, but really just everybody's, well now I'm just saying everybody's annoying. But there's pockets of conservatism. There's pockets of, you know, the religious groups and things. There's pockets of psychos and there's pockets of just, you know, people living their lives, doing their thing. And then there's pockets of you know, just the more daring creatives or the, you know, like for instance, just coming here, every city has an art museum and every city has some sort of like historical museum. Like there's a quilting museum here and you're like, ew, quilting museum. Like what's that all about? Like who quilts? A Betsy Ross. I mean, and I don't want to get into the fact of, I don't know, was she a racist and, you know, did she have slaves' teeth too? Probably, but it's American history going back to a time where a prominent figure who was Flotus, first lady, you know, was knitting up a flag that now flies over a bunch of Trumpers' home. But it is, listen... I'm dragging us down into like my perspective and opinions, but we all understand the concept of like, of these things. And so there's, there's museums and places to visit and it sounds, you know, boring, like something you do on your fourth grade, you know, trip or whatever, um, field trip or something like that. But when you start to realize that there's just all of this interesting stuff and I'm going to get away now from the quilt museum because that sounds really boring for some, for many people. <laughs> but when you go to the Milwaukee Museum, that's that's amazing thing. That's an amazing thing. And you start to realize there's a quilt in there. There's a very 
interesting quilt tucked in there that might just blow your mind. That's not at all a quilt. It's a message. It's art. It's living moment. It's terroir. It's all these things, right? And you start to have this experience here. And then you're out and about and you're inspired and you're seeing you know, little taverns and you're hanging out in this place called Shorewood and meeting, of course, a bartender who's from Ireland, who's hilarious. And she's looking to open a restaurant and she's young and vibrant and a singer. And her best friend works at another pub who is trying to get a job in public health, but whose mom is this well-known artist and they've lived in Milwaukee. You know, you're just kind of like getting these little stories of actual people that live here that are super interesting. But here's the thing. They're not trying to be interesting. And they're like really sort of accommodating. (laughs) It sounds like a really boring, sterile word, but they're accommodating. I mean, do you know how nice it is to drive your car and have someone like invite you to pass them? Not like in LA where they're rushing you with their hand, like, hurry, 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 hurry. And then like blasting, charging past you. You have no idea. I guess what I'm getting at in the longest way possible is that people in the Midwest are really nice. And the culture here feels like it's like as if time has stopped in one way. I don't want to say I want time to stop in other ways, but um, people are courteous and genuine and genuinely helpful. And alongside that, which is almost hard for me to even take in because I'm just not even used to it. Um, alongside that, there, I'm clearly I'm living in a city, so there are other outlying areas with different populations, and there's a church every five minutes as well, every five seconds as well. But it's also very progressive, and I've listened to people coming out of church also having progressive ideas, sitting at a cafe here. In fact, these older women were saying that the sermon was really wonderful. They were glad that they were supporting women's rights. And I was like, okay, it's fantastic. A lot of, you're not going to hear that in Bakersfield, California. (laughs) I think that um, the thing is like when you travel, it's just going to open up your mind. You're going to realize that more cities are going to be more alike, clearly. And more rural areas are going to be more rural. I feel like I'm saying rural. Number 30 Rock, it's like rural, drawer. Um, the rural, <laughs> rural areas are going to be more like as well, possibly. And there's going to be little pockets of just people living their own lives and doing whatever they're doing. But anyhow, that being said, it's nice to personally experience that and discover it and to be out here enjoying it. And that's currently where I'm cooking. Um, Back to the uniform situation, I went to Smart and Final, and um, I went to Smart and Final on Halloween. So I bought a pumpkin for $4, an heirloom pumpkin that's super beautiful and sitting on my doorstep at home. Um, but I did not find any uniforms because it was Halloween some cheap ass mother 
you know, I'm that's horrible. Let me rewind. Some some people looking for a costume of the working class. <laughs> when fact, some Google tech texters techies went and probably bought up I'm just I don't know who bought these maybe it's just people working I'm just being an asshole but some people just it's Halloween though and I I said hey you guys have any more chef wear things they're like oh are you gonna be a chef for Halloween and I was like no but thanks I'm like never mind so there you have it um but I did wear my one white chef's coat that fits me (laughs) I have to say, um, it changed my vibe all week because I took one more thing out of my mental way. And I didn't realize that sometimes what you're wearing is at the forefront of your mind or it's like a low, it's like a, maybe at the forefront of your mind. It can be at times. Maybe it's more like a uh, low-grade fever, something that's just there. And you're managing it. You know, you're pulling up your pants or your feet hurt because your shoes are weird or you don't want to spill something on your shoes or you don't want to do this. So there's this sort of like a, other layer. But once you wear your uniform, and not that I'm not a freak about trying not to get everything dirty because I really like to work extra clean. Um... I don't know. It's like taking away something that's cumbersome and awkward and just wearing my coat, feeling unseen, which I like when I'm working. I wore my hair in a bun. I was like making a joke last night because my hair looked crazy. I'm like, same bun, different day. (laughs) And it was like all the baby hairs were starting to just like splay out. And I looked like I had just been electrocuted or something. (laughs) But, you know, I didn't really give a shit because I made some beef bourguignon and there were extra people for dinner and it was like a full-on throwdown. So let me tell you. So I want to share with you guys. um, Well, after, let me, hold on one second. I'm just going to say that I'm working on the uniform. Um, I'm trying so hard not to be one of these people that just has things ordered and delivered and returned because I've been doing that for the past year. I want to change like little behaviors that I think will be better for myself and and just in general for our world. I don't want to live in that mindset. Um, So I'm trying to just like take a step back also with purchases and not be so hasty and just wasting money because I've bought many chef coats that I didn't like and I ended up giving away that could have amounted to at least a thousand dollars of coats I mean what a waste of money one of them went to my mom and it's beautiful and looks so beautiful on her another coat um I gave to I gave away as a gift for St. Joseph's and a bunch of others I just you know donated to the school which was great at the culinary training program at St. Joseph's Center in Venice where I'm a demo teacher haven't been for many years but used to be you know every week but so went to a good place but at the same time you know like what's what's it about like I'm not trying to do that I need to be more focused with what I'm doing so this is my project trying to find my forever uniform or just try to feeling, you know, getting getting my things in place, getting getting tidy, so I don't have to worry about 
I'm not thinking about what I'm wearing or how I look or any of that shit when I'm working. I just want to be working. I want to be thinking about what I'm doing. And that mostly happened this week for me in a lot of ways. But I need, you know, I, I need to get it more together. It's just the beginning. Getting back to basics. I don't know how I got so, so far off track. But I also want to share with you guys a recipe. Um, so one of the reasons I made this recipe is because I'm really tired and it was Thursday. And by the way, I need to pack soon because I got to get, get on a flight pretty soon. But um, I was really just tired. I did an overnighter to get back here, which was kind of brutal. Uh, American Airlines had a strike. They're not calling it a strike, but when people leave a workplace in droves and then they can't rehire and then they have to cancel thousands of flights and then they call it weather, I'd say it's probably a strike. So um, people are striking because of all the madness that's going on in airplanes and American Islands is not a great airline. So I'm taking Delta. But that said, um, I slept, I slept on a tray, um, on Sunday, on Halloween night, (laughs) way to Minneapolis, and then slept in a freezing cold chair in a really beautiful airport and then went straight to work when I got here. So I was just really tired and I was like, oh, the thought of peeling like two potatoes per person. And then having to just mash it all up because I don't have my ricer and my potato ricer. And just like I don't have the right bowl for that. I haven't figured that out for like a larger group of people. And I was like, you know what? Screw that. I'm just going to do like I really wanted to do just a cauliflower mash with this beef bourguignon that I made. Was making. So I'm like, okay, this is my game plan. Big, giant head of cauliflower. I'm going to steam it with very salted water. So it just has loads of flavor. And let that steam off after I've cooked it. Put it into the Cuisinart. Puree the hell out of it. And... From there, I'm going to just do half the amount of potatoes. So I think I did to one head of of that, I did um, four big size russets, which I peeled, sliced, put into cold water, loaded up with salt, salty like to see everybody, threw a bay leaf in, a bunch of crushed garlic cloves, um, sliced an onion, why not sweet white onion, brought that to a boil until it was just perfectly breaking so that when you touch it, it wants to break, right? Then strain that out into a colander, let it steam off, give it like five minutes. When it's steaming off, it's releasing water, all that water releasing, releasing. So that you want to replace that water. You know, it's kind of like having a dehydrated potato. Like when you're using, I mean, that's what they, that's what you see with all kinds of products that are, you have to rehydrate with water, right? And um, steam it off and then you're going to replace that with whatever moisture you want, which is 
butter and cream. <laughs> Never said this was healthy. Um, so I had that puree going. And then I, after I had the pureed cauliflower, I added in the steamed off onion, potato, and cooked garlic, because all that had cooked together. Then I threw in a few coins of salted, high-quality butter. Um, did I use Kerrygold or something Italian? Doesn't matter. Something that you like, something that's delicious. Salted, salted butter. I'm trying to get salt in there because I the whole goal is not to whip, whip, whip. Because, you know, potatoes become gummy. It's a starch. They grab, it grabs onto itself and it's like hanging on for dear life. And it's just, that's not something wonderful to eat. You want it to be fluffy and relaxed as much as possible. So then I poured in, um, I believe a cup of cream, um, probably a quarter cup of milk. And, um, you could also add some sort of chicken stock, which would be delicious with this too. And then I just pulsed. Now when you're pulsing, the goal is that the cauliflower puree is at the bottom of the bucket. So that's with the blade. That, the, the cauliflower has no starch, it's just a vegetable. So it can spin around a little bit longer while it integrates the ingredients above and it kind of pulses and it drops and pulse. It blends and drops, blends and drops. So you're seeing a and you see the product kind of like dropping, blending in, dropping. And that way, you're not just like and like just beating the hell out of it and then you have this gummy texture. So you're going to until you see that it's kind of all blending a little bit. It's going to be broken and chunky. And then you're just going to go that's it. (laughs) You're just going to give it that one, two, three, four, maybe like, what is it? I'm, wow, I don't know why I'm off pitch. I don't even know why I'm doing that. So maybe it's like, I'd say maybe a three seconds. One, two, three, maybe four seconds. Just a longer pulse. And it's just going to come together. And there may be like little bits in there. That's okay. Scoop it out. This is my suggestion again. Get a small saucepan, not a big one. Small, high-walled saucepan. Put some water on the bottle, bo- the bottle on the bottom of the saucepan. Just like maybe an inch of water. Scoop out your ingredients. I mean, your um, puree, your potato, cauliflower, onion, garlic puree. Oh, did I mention putting salt in that? You got to put at least a teaspoon of salt in that, if not a couple, to be quite honest, because you got to combat all the fat we added to it. So that fat is intense. It's going to block a lot of flavor. A couple teaspoons of salt in that batch, if not, I mean, you could go more. A sprinkle of black pepper also. Like just get your flavors in there. Get that pepper salt in there before you start this situation. 
taste it. If it needs a little bit more, sprinkle it in. Then you're going to like fold it in with a spoon. You don't want to keep like zhuzhing it up. It's going to get too tight. So then you're going to put that with a little bit of water on the bottom of the pan. You're going to pour that on top of the water. And that sounds weird. Doesn't make any sense. But you're going to put that on, put that on the back burner, cover it, put a cover on that thing. And then while you're getting your stew ready and all that stuff, you're going to put that on a really low flame. And you're going to let that just kind of bubble up. It's going to look like it's going to be wet and mushy, but it's not. Just let it steam. Let it bubble up a little bit. Let it do its cooking. And you'll be surprised that will all, as you start to scoot from the top, it'll kind of like, it'll steam off a little bit. If it feels a little bit mushy, that's okay. Just let it simmer and steam off. Just let it steam off. Nothing's going to happen to that. Um... Try to keep the cover on as much as you can also so it doesn't, I don't know, stays warm. But I would say just maybe under an inch of water. How about that? Not too much, but just a little water. Um, and so serve it into a warm bistro bowl or a bowl or whatever you're doing. I like to make, to get a large spoon to kind of pull a big canal if you don't know what that word is, look it up. Like a big canal, a big scoop of the potato puree, the um, potato cauliflower puree. Let's put that on one side of the bowl. Lift the spoon up so it has like a nice, nice height. And then right next to it, that's when you're just going to pluck out your favorite pieces of the beef bourguignon. So the beef stew. Find your big two big chunks, three chunks. Place that right next to it beautifully. And then you're going to pour the sauce like just around that, like just over the meat and around that, not over the mashed potato, just around that. And you're going to get this sort of like moat of beautiful, luscious, dark red wine reduction sort of situation. It's so delicious. And then you can put your beautiful peas and carrots. I like to use um, ribbons of zucchini kind of mixed in with green onion and whatever it is that you're doing, but something, just tuck that on the corner. It's just like a little bow and pile up even more. Just get it in there. And, uh, that's it. That's you. You even got a plating with this. Okay. <laughs> so I don't want to hear any complaining. <laughs> okay. That's it. I need to pack up my suitcase. I need to throw down some oatmeal here. It is... Oh, perfect. It's 9 9 a.m. I'm going to pack, get a car set up to get to the airport, and back to L.A., and then back to Milwaukee. All right, y'all. Have an excellent week. I will see you on the other side, and um, there'll be an update about Smart and Final, because I think I need to start reviewing Chef Coats as well. Why not? I have nothing else to be doing in Milwaukee. Just kidding. All right. Over and out. It's always an honor. Till next time. Ooh, 31 minutes, 24 seconds. Very.